Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvellous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart, that I may fear your name. I praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Arrogant foes are attacking me, O oh God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show me your strength on behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you just as my mother did. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Thank you so much, Lou. Uh, why don't we um, pray together um, before I begin? Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to look at this wonderful psalm together. And please, by your spirit, would you be using it to minister to all of us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Waiting is hard, isn't it? Particularly as there is so little that we have to wait for these days. We can Google a question and have an answer in seconds. We can heat a meal in the microwave and have it on the table in minutes. We can send a text or an email that arrives immediately rather than waiting for a letter in the post. And in our fast paced instant gratification culture, when we don't have what we want or we feel uncertain or afraid about the future, we often feel weak and powerless sometimes even desperate, not being sure of what to do or where to turn. As Christians, we know our faith should help, but we can so often feel ill-equipped to wait well. We may have even been told to wait on the Lord, but often we're not really sure what that looks like or how to actually do it. The title of today's talk is Hope in the Waiting. And we're looking at Psalm 86, a prayer of King David, Israel's most famous king. We don't know exactly when he wrote it. It could have been when he was fleeing from King Saul in the wilderness. It might have been when his son Absalom betrayed him and sought to steal the kingdom by force. It could have been another time entirely. But what we do know is that David is writing from a position of great need. And as king of Israel, 
It was a prayer that David and his people Israel could pray together. But as we read the psalm, it's not just David's prayer. It's actually a prayer of a far greater king, King Jesus, the promised king in David's line. Like David, Jesus faced hostility from many who wanted him dead. And like David, Jesus offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. This psalm is a prayer that Jesus would have prayed throughout his life. And if we are his followers, it can be our prayer too. As we learn to sing and pray it with Jesus, my prayer is that we too can find hope in the waiting. Let's dive in. In verse one to seven, we see David starts his prayer with a plea for help. So my first point, a plea for help. In verse one, David cries out to God, asking him to hear me and answer me. The desperation in his voice is palpable. He's pleading with God, needing him to act on his behalf. And note the reason he gives for why he thinks God should answer, for I am poor and needy. It's interesting that he's not pleading from a place of strength. I'm king of Israel. I hold an important position in my country. I'm able and well respected, so listen to me. Instead, he pleads from a place of weakness and utter dependence. My next door neighbor has just had a new baby, baby Jack. And David's cry here rather reminds me of the cry of a newborn baby. When Jack cries, his cry carries a simple message. Something is wrong. Help. Jack probably doesn't even know what he really needs. And it's down to his mum and dad to work out what's wrong and how to provide the best remedy. As a newborn, Jack depends on his parents for everything. And all he can do is cry out. Similarly, when we recognise our poor and needy state, we realise that all we can do is to cry out to our Father in heaven. In verse two and three, we see David expects God to answer him. He says, guard my life for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. As we read this, it's tempting to think that David is being a bit presumptuous. It almost sounds like he thinks he deserves it, but he can't, it can't be that. He's already said that he's poor and needy. He's calling on God to listen, not because he's sinless, but because he's a loyal servant, a believer. David is connected to God personally, not by what he's done, but because he's God's chosen king. We see the intimacy in his language. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord. And if we're here as a follower of the Lord Jesus, we too can cry out to God in exactly the same way. He's our God and he longs to listen to us. Note in his pleading the frequency of his prayer, verse three, I call to you all day long. It's not a one-off prayer. I've prayed that job done tick. It's ongoing. David keeps asking, keeps going back to God. He knows he needs God's help all the time. My sister recently moved house. And in her old house, she had a pantry cupboard that was full of oversized bags of rice, sugar, flour, you name it, which her husband had bought at the cash and carry. Should Armageddon come, they were ready. 
And despite the teasing, they all felt pretty smug when the initial food shortages of COVID arrived. Well, prayer doesn't work like that. We can't go to God like he's a cash and carry store, stockpiling his grace for the months and years ahead. We need to pray to him frequently, fervently, continuously. If we're to wait well, we need to be in an ongoing dialogue with God. It's striking what David asks for next, verse four. Not take away my difficulty, not fix my situation, Lord, but bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. David is feeling pretty low, so he asks God to lift his spirit. He realizes that God alone can satisfy. This could mean a change of circumstance for David, but even if it doesn't, David wants to be satisfied, joyful, full of hope as he waits, trusting that God knows best. And why can he trust God? Because of God's character. And in verse five to seven, he remembers that the Lord is forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call. And later in verse 15, he recalls God's nature again. You, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. When things aren't working out the way we'd like, or we're troubled and uncertain, we need to hold on to the fact that God always has our best interests at heart. As the American pastor and theologian Tim Keller once said, God always answers your prayers in precisely the way you would want them to be answered if you knew everything he knew. So just like David, just like Jesus, if we want to wait well, we need to learn to cry out to God in prayerful dependence, to plead for his help, knowing we can trust him completely because he loves us and wants to show us grace and mercy. And as we read on in David's prayer, we see that it doesn't stop there. Instead, he lifts his eyes, taking them off himself and instead focusing on God. Rather than turning inwards and risking wallowing like a hippo, David focuses on who God is and all that he has done. This leads him to pour out his heart in praise, verse 8 to 13. So my second point, a prayer of praise. And as he starts to praise God, David recognizes just how awesome our God really is. In verse 8 to 10, he praises God that among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Let's not forget that our God is the one true God and no other God comes close. Not only that, but our God is far greater than the many gods that we so easily worship and look to meet our needs. Money, family, friendship, career, leisure. They don't come close either. Our God is supreme. Our God is mighty. He's the creator of all things. He's all powerful and absolutely worthy of our worship and praise. And to add to this, our God does marvelous things, marvelous deeds, verse nine. As we look back in history, 
It's amazing to dwell on his incredible works, the way he parted the Red Sea to rescue his people, the way he protected Daniel in the lion's den, not to mention all the many miracles that Jesus performed. But the most marvelous of all God's deeds is the fact that he has delivered us from the realm of the dead, verse 13. We know from elsewhere in the Psalms that when David was in the depths, the pit, God drew him out, restoring his life. And as Christians, we're united to the one who has literally delivered us from the realm of the dead. By dying on a cross and rising back to life three days later, Jesus defeated the power of sin and death. And if we're here trusting in him, we can have utter confidence of a day when everything will be put right and all the pain, tears, suffering and waiting will finally end. Knowing this really does give us hope when the answer in the waiting seems to be no or not yet. Because of this, we will glorify God's name forever, verse 12. David closes his prayer by returning to a petition. He ends with an ask again, but this time his prayer is a petition of hope. My final point, a petition of hope, verse 11, followed by verse 14 to 17. Having reflected on God's greatness and his marvelous deeds, David is able to ask God to bring his heart in line with the Lord's. In verse 11, David prays, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. So often we want God and success, God and approval, God and a new position, God and a shift in our circumstances, or even God and an election victory. But here David prays for an undivided heart, for God and nothing else. He prays that God will enable him to be satisfied if the answer is just God alone, a prayer that God will be delighted to answer. It's actually only in verse 14 that David reveals his actual problem, that arrogant foes are attacking him and want to kill him. But it's worth noting that David's main concern at this point is not that God stops them, but that they have no regard for God. David sees his circumstances in light of eternal truth. Rather than just asking for change, he wants whatever is best to honour God's name. He wants God's enemies, verse 17, to see God's glory and be put to shame. And wouldn't it be wonderful if God's glory was at the heart of our prayers too? At the end of David's prayer, we see David is still waiting still struggling, but his heart is in line with the Lord's. He has learned to wait with hope. And knowing God is great, that God is good and loving, means that we too can learn this too. Whatever troubles we face today, whatever we're hoping for, let's remember to cry out to the Lord who longs to answer us in our time of need. Let's remember to lift our eyes from ourselves, remembering that who God is and all the marvellous deeds he has done. And let's wait in hope, trusting our God is the one who can change our hearts 
and help us to prioritize his glory in every situation. Why don't we turn to pray? Heavenly Father, thank you that whatever we're waiting for, we can depend and trust you, knowing you love us and want what is best for us. Please lift our eyes off our circumstances and help us instead to dwell on your goodness and greatness. Please give us joy in the midst of any struggles. Please teach us your ways, Lord, that we may rely on your faithfulness. Give us an undivided heart. And most of all, we ask that in any and every situation, your name would be glorified. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.